BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. 6.49 a.m. on Saturday morning, right? Here we are. It's the weekend. He's on vacation in Florida. I wake up early because I have this constant anxiety of creeping death over my shoulder. And who do I see tweeting but our president of the United States? 6.49 a.m. Saturday morning. Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my, quote, wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. The victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Uh, that is a hell of a claim that a sitting United States president, Barack Obama, tapped into a private citizen's phones at his place of residence. That is shocking, shocking. It would be the biggest political scandal since Watergate. It would be the biggest political scandal since Watergate. Lindsey Graham is correct on that. It would be a gigantic scandal. Uh, did it happen? Well, we don't know. Donald Trump went on. He says, "Is it le-? this is more of his, his garbage tweets. Is it legal for a sitting president to be wiretapping a race for president prior to an election? Turned down by a court earlier. All caps. A new low. He goes on, I'd bet a good lawyer can make a great case out of the fact that President Obama was tapping my phones in October just prior to the election. How low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? The very sacred election process. He goes on, this is Nixon slash Watergate, bad or sick guy. About Barack Obama. First of all, you keep the name of Barack Obama out of your snake mouth. First of all, I don't need to be hearing that from Donald Trump. That that, that I, I, I don't I don't need to see that forked tongue put the word Barack Obama into his mouth ever again. Not in that way. So, what's the truth here? What happened? Did Barack Obama tap Donald Trump's phones? Did Barack Obama, the President of the United States, tap Donald Trump's phones? A man who, by almost everybody's account, was almost certainly going to lose the election. So it's not like he was fearful that Donald Trump was going to win the election or anything. I think everybody thought he was going to lose. Everybody, present company included, thought that and was wrong. Now, here's where Donald Trump has to deliver. Barack Obama, tap your phones? Did he try and spy on you? He says that his wires were tapped in Trump Tower. Is that the case? 
Prove it, bitch. Did it happen? You got to prove it. You can't just say things without backing it up. And that's a dangerous pattern, a very dangerous pattern that Donald Trump has laid out in his presidency. Not just in his presidency, by the way, just his entire career. He just makes it up. Think about all of the numerous things that he's put out there that just weren't true. Barack Obama's birth certificate. He's still out there fighting the fight that vaccines cause autism and are dangerous. He said Ted Cruz's father killed JFK. He lies about the size of his crowds. He said Hillary Clinton killed Vince Foster. He lies about the murder rate. He talks about the black crime rate. It's all lies. He talks about three to five million illegal votes in our election. The, quote, very sacred election process. The man is a habitual liar. The murder rate in our country is the highest it's been in 47 years, right? It's a lie. Every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie. No, Barack Obama did not wiretap Donald Trump as a private citizen in Trump Tower. Do we really have to discuss this? I guess so, because he put out these dodos that work for him. I, I, I get t- just the, the, the dumbest people I've ever seen in my life that go out there to talk for Trump. Uh, first of all, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, first of all, she's Mike Huckabee's daughter. So you know that her formative years were just filled with stupid. Mike Huckabee, who thought he could be president a couple of times, and now is just out there making dumb jokes on Twitter constantly. What a mess that guy is. He's also one of those guys that used to be like turbo fat and then lost a ton of weight and then got fat again. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes on ABC's This Week with Martha Raddatz, who is fantastic, by the way. Martha Raddatz. She did a great show yesterday, too. zero S. She had Sarah Huckabee Sanders on, and she says, uh, Sanders says, well, if this happened, and Martha Raddatz has to catch her real quick. If this happened, Martha, if, this if, would, if, if. I I agree. Why is the president saying it did happen? Look, I think he is going off of information that he's seen that has led him to believe uh, that this is a very real potential. And if it is, this is the greatest overreach and the greatest abuse of power that I think we've ever seen in a huge attack on democracy itself. This is the person they put out to speak about it, and she doesn't even know if it happened. She won't even say that it happened or didn't happen. It's insanity. So here's... The evolution of this completely bogus story. Do you know who Mark Levin is? Yes. I get to, I, I've, I've listened to Mark Levin. I used to work for a station that carried Mark Levin. Mark Levin. It's like a step below Alex Jones, right? A little bit. Well, here's his deal. So he is a lawyer type person. And Hannity... Sean Hannity used to have him on his radio show all the time to talk about legal issues. And he is insane. So like Hannity's butt boy? And he's Hannity's butt boy. Mm-hmm. In fact, Alec Baldwin famously called him Hannity's butt boy when he called him that Hannity show one time. I'd never heard that. That, yeah. that just that yeah. came into no, my head. That's like a thing. Yeah. He's Hannity's butt boy. 
And so Hannity used to call him, or used to tell him on the show all the time, he used to call him the great one, Mark Levin. So Mark Levin then got his own radio show. Hannity went to bat for him. And uh, and so now he has this radio show. And it is unlistenable. And I love bad radio. I actually have a weird kink for, like, crappy radio or bad audio. I kind of love it. This is unlistenable. It's just, like drivel from like the dumbest conservative lawyer that you've ever heard, right? Like if you go to a TGI McFunsters in Washington, D.C., which is where all the Republican lawyers hang out, this is like having a conversation with one of those who's had like just a little too much to drink. Just boring beyond words and just terrible stupidity. So he puts this together, he says, that Barack Obama tapped Donald Trump's phones. And what, what what really is happening here is that the FBI, this is the allegation, the FBI sought a FISA court order to monitor what Donald Trump and his campaign was communicating with Russia and Russian banks, which, by the way, is a real thing. Like, there is a real concern that Donald Trump and his campaign and his transition team, or not his transition team, but his, his campaign team, were actually colluding and communicating with Russia and Russian banks. And so Mark Levin makes this quantum leap to say that Barack Obama personally authorized a wiretap into Trump Tower. Jamie, I'm going to play a little audio because uh, James Clapper former director of national intelligence under Barack Obama, who stepped down when Donald Trump won because he was like, no way am I going to work for this madman. What show was he on? Meet the Press. Meet the Press. Meet the Press. He lays out very clearly, there was no wiretap order here. For the part of the national security apparatus that I oversaw as DNI, there was no such wiretap activity mounted against uh, the the president-elect at the time or as a candidate or against his campaign. Uh, Just in case you weren't clear about that, he goes on to clarify. I can deny it. There is no FISA court order. Not not to my knowledge. Of anything at Trump Tower? No. Well, we can go home now. We done here? Are we finished? I heard everything I need to hear. Just in case we needed to drive this point home one more time, Josh Ernest... In, in case you thought this was some personal vendetta from Barack Obama against Donald Trump, the president doesn't even have this authority. The president of the United States does not have the authority to unilaterally order the wiretapping of an American citizen. Yeah. Done. Remember, we've been through this. We've seen this movie before. George W. Bush tried to bypass the FISA courts to authorize spying on American citizens. We fought this battle. It's over. It's done with. It doesn't happen. It can't happen. Folks, it's all nonsense. Paul is uh, one of the best minds on all things DC, how things work. 
here in Washington. He's the Washington correspondent for USA Today. You really should follow him on Twitter at Singer News, Singer News, and read his fine, fine work at usatoday.com. How you doing, Paul? Huh? So far, so good. According to you, I'm doing great. <laughs> Republicans are going to have to, you know, lawmakers are going to have to face this stuff. Yeah, starting today. Yeah, basically this afternoon. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and and again, the, how's the, that going to go? How's that going to go? It's gonna be <laughs> I'm sure they are thrilled with that. Yeah, I mean, the, the 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 intelligence committees, the Senate Intelligence Committee and the House Intelligence Committee are already investigating these Trump Russia ties. But there's been this really interesting interaction where they are trying to say, essentially, um, yeah, we're looking into it. But we're also taking suggestions from the White House about what part to talk about. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. these are the these are the, the chairman, Chairman Burr in the Senate and, and uh, Chairman Nunez in the House, both essentially called reporters to bat down stories because the White House asked them to, yeah. um, which makes you wonder about their independence as investigators. Now they're going to have to say, yes, we're going to investigate Mr. Trump's allegations of a wiretap because Mr. Trump has asked him to. Yeah. Right. I don't want. An investigation by a committee that is operating on orders from the people they're supposed to be investigating. That's not the goal of the investigations, right? The investigation of the committee is to be as independent as possible. There's a relatively good bet that these committees would not have responded to the Obama administration the same way, saying, yes, we'll investigate what you want us to investigate. Right. Right. So so I got no problem with Congress taking a good deep look at this as long as Congress is taking a good deep look at this on their own mm -hmm. and not doing it at the behest of uh, uh, the people they're supposed to be investigating. Um, there were a lot of people, I, I, Paul Ryan comes to mind, who sort of endorsed Trump um, eventually and yeah. said, you know, like, I'm going to be the check on Donald Trump. I will be the guy who stands in the way of him overreaching or whatever. And here we are, not quite two months in, month and a half in. And Paul Ryan has proved that he will not check Trump on anything. And I think the most like in your face example of that is the wall. Right. You know, here is a guy who said Mexico was going to pay for the wall and Paul Ryan came out and, and and once it turns out that Mexico is not in fact going to pay for the wall, we're going to have to front the money for the wall. Surprise. Paul Ryan just goes, "Yeah, we're going to build a wall. We're going to pay for it." Well, the fact of the matter is is that nobody has moved a bill to actually pay for that wall. Right? I mean, it, Paul Ryan has nothing to gain by engaging in this process at this point because he can just sort of wait until we get there, right? Yeah. That's that's a chapter down the road a piece. Right now, he's got an Obamacare problem, Yeah. right? The first thing on Paul Ryan's plate is an Obamacare problem. We're going to get to Obamacare. Let's, get, let's, let's get into Obamacare, <laughs> Paul. Let's get into Obamacare. Right. Okay, let's get into Obamacare. <laughs> I mean, the, the, they, they, they don't have a bill that they can get Republicans behind. A unified bill that can get Republicans behind it, if, if I recall correctly, and it feels like it's been weeks now, but I think it might have been Thursday or Friday that Rand Paul was joining Democrats chasing around the Capitol building looking for a supposedly secret Republican draft of the Obamacare bill. Yeah. Right. It's just. Yeah. It Legislation is hard. It's not easy. Bumper stickers and campaign slogans are easy. Legislation is hard, and yeah. that's what we have run into. So uh, repeal and replace. We're not close to a replacement. No. There is this secret bill floating around, allegedly. Apparently. Um, 
John Boehner, I think, was he was like, they're not going to repeal or replace this. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Which I have two thoughts on. I think that he knows how these guys work and he knows how how goofy they are, right? Yeah. And he's probably right. But at the same time, like if his instincts were good enough to know what was actually going to happen, he'd probably still be speaker. Yeah. Well, there's that. So, right, exactly. Yeah. But, but, but like, um, you know, it, where does this end, man? Well, I mean, one of the reasons Boehner is not speaker. Uh, is because he refused to push this issue further because he knew you get into this Gordian knot that's impossible to untie, right? You, you have millions of people currently with insurance who did not have it before. Uh, you have a process. Remember, Obamacare was built as a Robin Hood scheme. It was to rob from the rich to give to the poor. That's why it exists. It was to tax rich people to pay for health insurance for poor people. Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah. So if you there's the only way to repeal it is to undo the taxes on the rich people. And when you do that, you have no money to pay for the health care for the poor people. That's all there is to it, which is fine with me if that's your policy decision. If that's your policy decision. Right. But you have to be willing to say, you know what? We've decided. Yeah, we've decided this was a wrong idea and we're not going to bother insuring the poor people. And we're moving on. Uh, and and frankly, until they're willing to make that commitment, they're in trouble. So we're just cruising right along until about the summertime when insurance companies have to figure out if they're going to go with Obamacare or what the, what's going to happen here. And I think that a lot of – I think summer we're going to see a lot of things just sort of bubble over. Yeah. You, you will need – Because you're going to see people lose health care. I think so. Yeah, and you're going to need a declaration from somebody that says – we are not going to do this this year. Go ahead and insure into the next year. It's going to be 2018 before yeah. we finish this thing. Some kind of a statement somewhere. I mean, I think markets have shown over and over and over again that the thing they hate most is basically uncertainty. Yeah, Uncertainty is the worst part. Any, any policy that uh, uh, the government implements, uh, markets will figure out a way around uh, but the uncertainty makes them insane. Yeah. Uh, and that is, and by the way, which gets back to where we started this conversation, I think one of the problems with Mr. Trump's tweets um, is that, is that it creates this atmosphere of uncertainty and and chaos um, that is not good for anybody. Uh, but but in the healthcare, I think the issue is going to be not whether or not they can re- repeal or replace. It's do they provide some certainty for the markets about what to do next year? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Kate Martell, staff writer for The Hill. Hi, Kate. Good morning. You are the author of the 1230 Report with The Hill, which uh, if you haven't subscribed to, shame on you, because it really is the best newsletter in town. Um, Today is the day that uh, Donald Trump is expected to unveil his new travel ban Muslim ban, entry ban, whatever you want to call it. Um, has he thought this one through a little bit more? Or are we just sort of waiting to see what sort of word salad gets thrown at us this time? <laughs> yes, we're waiting to see. You have to hope that 
there, you know, it's not just Trump. There's a whole administration yeah, behind yeah. him. There are a lot of government agencies that there are there are smart people involved with this. That you have to hope that they will think this through. We heard um, there was reporting that the you know, Trump administration has consulted the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, State Department, which sounds like such a minor detail and such an obvious detail that was not necessarily the case with the original travel ban. So I think some of the differences is it won't affect green card holders. Um, Iraq will probably be taken off the list of the predominantly Muslim countries. <laughs> um, that's just some of the reporting that we've heard of things that might change. But otherwise, Trump administration doesn't want to concede too much. They don't want to concede the fact that, yes, the rollout was bad, but the actual travel ban, they're going to stick by it. So I think yeah, we're going to see round two of what we saw a month ago. And Republicans lined up, I mean, with the, the, the original ban to say, like, this is something we can get behind. So is there going to be a whole new legal battle behind this next order coming out? I'm sure there And they will feel be. pretty good about this one then. <laughs> I think Republicans will probably stand by it more because I'm sure they're hearing more about it. They're seeing more of it behind closed doors. But Democrats are still going to be vehemently against this sure. because having such, you know, a blanket ban, there are people that are bound to get through the cracks that there's no way that this can happen seamlessly. And those are the stories that are going to be pumped out in the media. Those are the stories that we're going to see Democrats lining up at press conferences discussing. And optics are not going to look great. They already set themselves up for failure. So unless there are some radical changes to it, which I don't think we're expecting to see, yeah. there it's it's already kind of set up for failure. <laughs> Holy cow. It's just so bad. It's just such a mess. <laughs> Things are just – I mean, you know, like – I have plenty of criticisms against Barack Obama and how he did things, right? And and I and I think that you could make the argument that the reason that Trump is going as far as he is now, using the tactics that he's using, that he's using, is because of some of the things that Barack Obama did as as president. A lot of Democrats don't like that, but that's too bad. That's just how it goes. Um, but like. The Obama administration was tight as a drum. I mean, they when they put stuff out, it was solid, to the point, all bases covered, all boxes checked. You know, like, they had it together. And this just feels like it's a lot of people who are unprepared for the job putting this stuff together. And I wouldn't love that in a company, much less the people running the country, you and know? And, and such a prime example of what you were just saying is Trump's tweet Saturday morning oh, that there, it wasn't necessarily based on fact. It wasn't press release that he followed up with and linked to. It was Trump announcing news without evidence yeah. on Twitter Saturday morning, a bunch of exclamation points, not written in a formal way. And I not think even spelled it, correctly, <laughs> for the record. Like he spelled why he spelled the tap T A P P. And that's already kind of a controversial term anyway, wiretap. It's unclear yeah. what we what they mean by that. We're assuming he means FISA court, but that's totally unclear. So I think going back to what we were saying about being such a volatile period for the administration versus the Washington press corps is that I think it's a new style of covering an administration. Usually the president says it's fact. You take it as word. Mm -hmm. You can assume that everybody in the administration has consulted on this. Now we're seeing, we saw Sarah Huckabee Sanders on the Sunday shows yesterday using the words, I don't think that Trump believes this and I don't, but he doesn't believe this is true. Words like that 
are not airtight. You need to keep no. things totally based on fact. They need to have come and you know come and armed from all angles. They have to have their press people involved. They have to have all their surrogates involved. We should have seen a lot more people on the Sunday shows with ironclad statements if that was the way he wanted to go about this by announcing something so serious, such allegations with such big turn with such big ramifications on Twitter on a Saturday morning. Yeah. It's crazy. And the thing that really bothers me about it, Jamie, what did what did Letterman call Sean Spicer? We call him a boob that came out just got out of a car. Boob that just got out of a car. <laughs> Spicer sent out this series of tweets over the weekend that just said, We're not going to talk about this anymore. Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> so today there will be a press briefing. Off camera press briefing. That, Wait, I just really? saw that on the on their daily. Can guidance. I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I, if, if I want to air a grievance really quickly, I, I was on the White House uh, press office mailing list. Look at Jamie; he knows where I'm going because he's heard this off air. <laughs> I was on the list, and I sent out probably like five tweets in a row where I was hypercritical of Sean Spicer after he came out um, about the inauguration crowd this very first. Pre- and you know what? Magically. Poof! I'm Wait not, on the, li- I'm not on the list anymore. You never told me that there was an origin story for this. Well, I, that was when I stopped getting them, huh? Hey, but at, you're still on the VP list. Though, but I'm right? still on the VP list. But the one from the White House, I got re- mysteriously taken off. Like I was even on it after, like the transition, right? Surely, and then now take, I got kicked off. Surely, you've taken some shots at Pence. I've taken some shots at Pence. <laughs> I've definitely taken shots at Mike Pence, uh, but. But like r- yeah. remarkably, mysteriously, I'm off the list. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the press briefing deal is. Well, would they have taken me off? They would have taken me off. I'm a nobody. <laughs> that would be very, very petty. That would be petty Pendergrass. Well, you are blocked by a number of high profile political folks on Twitter. Sugar Pie Ogburn <laughs> is blocked. Sugar Pie. You believe Sugar that? Sugar Pie Ogburn. Can you make that your new Twitter handle? Sugar Pie Ogburn. <laughs> Who's nicer than me? Visually speaking, sure. But <laughs> what actually comes out of your mouth or your keyboard is a little different. All sunshine and rainbows, my guy. What are you talking about? Anyway, I, anyway, so I don't know what the deal is. So it's an off-camera briefing? Off-camera. It's still in the White House press briefing, but they're referring to it as a press gaggle today. And so it's in the White What? What is that? That usually only happens on location or on the plane, right? On Air yep, Force One? Exactly. That's. But after such a weekend, that's... I did not know that. I don't like that. Do you think all every publication will be invited to this gaggle, or Probably do you think not. he's going to pick oh. and choose again? Well, like you know, what's funny is I don't want to I don't want to you know trade on conspiracy theories, but there was I mean, people were kind of freaked out of what was going to happen to the press briefings and the press access, and it was smooth-ish for a little while there. But like, it says it's going to stay that way. This could be them phasing it out. Why would they yeah. do that? I've never seen that. In the press briefing room, which is, I think, the most surprising part. Like Jamie was saying, yes, you do this on Air Force One. You do it on location. You do that when there's an extenuating circumstance. That doesn't happen on a Monday morning after a newsy weekend. Well, Spicer said they're not going to talk about the wiretapping claims. That they're just not going to talk about it. Which is really very bizarre. Because, I mean, the president claimed that his predecessor was out to spy on him. And they're just not going to talk about it. I don't see how that can last. It can't um, last. It can't last. And with all the fireworks that we've seen in the press briefings thus far, um, every 
you know, usually most days I remember, oh, yeah, that's going to happen daily. And it feels, you know, exciting all over again because there's so many fireworks. It's so action packed to watch. There is no way that they can unless they keep having off camera briefings. I don't see how they can continue on like this without having it without discussing the Russian ties at all. Patrick Tucker, tech editor for Defense One at Def Tech Pat. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. What a fun, fun weekend we all had. What a fun weekend indeed. <laughs> 6.49 a.m. 6.49 a.m. is when Donald Trump sent the tweet accusing Barack Obama of tapping his phones at Trump Tower. There have been a lot of people who have talked about that it's the former Obama officials have come out and said it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump officials have come out to say that they don't know if it's true or not. Yeah, but they're still defending their boss. I'm here to ask you, Patrick Tucker, did Barack Obama wiretap Trump Tower? No. Okay. Thanks, Ben. We'll see you later. <laughs> that's the show for the day. No, no, that's not uh, uh, a thing that can can happen. Uh, but this story does have some interesting. Like legs to it, so it, it's it's not just something that suddenly appeared in the prefrontal cortex of Donald Trump's brain in the morning on Saturday. It has an origin, and and uh, so uh, a lot of people trying to figure out where this all came from. Last night, Jake Tapper made some calls around and found that uh, uh, it probably came to Trump via a Breitbart article uh, based in part on some comments made by radio host Mark Levin. Mm-hmm. So here's the here's the full story, as I can figure out, having having sort of like uh, watched this. Uh, you to understand the origin of this idea, you have to go back to an article published in November uh, by a writer named Louise Minch. She wrote for an, uh, a newspaper called Heat Street out of uh, the UK. She works in New York, and she's uh, kind of like a McCain, NatSec conservative, but also a former British MP. She writes this really hot story, uh, exclusive FBI-granted FISA warrant covering Trump camp's ties to Russia. Now, this story says that the FBI sought and was given uh, FISA warrants to look into some of the communications involving some of the people in the Trump campaign, Carter Page, Roger Stone, the interesting uh, Florida. <laughs> interesting <laughs> is a word, yes, yes. that would um, be used. And Paul, Paul Manafort and, and maybe one or two others that, that weren't named. And also to look at uh, some server activity that was kind of unusual that was coming out of Trump Tower. There was a server that was communicating with another server uh, belonging to a Russian bank. And people were like, huh. So basically the FBI, which is different from the president, one, is a law enforcement and investigatory agency that uh, is to operate independently. The other is the administrative branch of the country. Uh, Very different things. The FBI, uh, after first seeking a a FISA warrant in June, which was denied because it was very broad, uh, goes back in October and is given a few FISA warrants to look into these guys. Um, So Louise Mensch gets this story, big exclusive, um, a lot of people were like, huh, Heat Street, that's kind of a weird outlet. Because um, it is, it's sort of like, it's, it's, but it's owned by News Corp. Um, having said that, I work for sort of a weird outlet. There's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of great journalists that are sure. making great, yeah. uh, like, and she's also someone to absolutely follow on Twitter, by the way. She's a, a fascinating person that follows this obsessively, like super obsessively. Um, now, 
Jump to January 19th, New York Times publishes a piece saying uh, uh, FBI looking into, this is the day before the inauguration. I remember I was in D.C. There's a bunch of, you know, uh, folks coming in, Trump supporters coming in from all around the country. Roger Stone is actually in the Mayflower Hotel in the evening uh, getting filmed for his TV show as this story breaks about the New York Times looking into an active investigation about some, looking into some of the folks in the Trump campaign. Campaign, um, and their ties to, to to Russia. Roger Stone gets this on his phone, and I remember I was sitting there with a private detective friend of mine, just looking around at all the the mayhem going on around us. And he hurriedly gets up and leaves. So all, and, and then you have the inauguration, and then you have the crowd size debate, and then you have uh, the travel ban, and then you have all of these <laughs> other news cycles that happen, and then you get to Thursday. Yeah. And and Jeff Sessions <laughs> has to recuse himself from the uh, in any pro- investigation that might happen into all of this stuff because he uh, lied or misspoke, whichever, under oath, either way, not the best person to lead an investigation uh, in, into all of this. Uh, Trump is furious. So are other people. And then you get to Mark Levin, goes on his radio show that night, looks at all of this other stuff, and then through the weird sphincter of kind of alt-right news, you know, the human centipede that is that digests little bits of true news and then passes them through, you know, the Brett Bart, you know, InfoWars esophageal tunnel until you... It eventually arrives in the digest, the mental digestive track of, of Mark Levin. Then you get this new story uh, that, you know, uh, he, where he basically says there's an uh, 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 attempt to by the Obama administration to start a coup. Barack Obama uh, himself ordered the tapping of Trump Tower. It's like, no, the bunch of FBI agents, part of an independent investigation, uh, went ahead and requested a FISA warrant. Uh, the first one was denied. It was too broad. The second one was granted, which means a judge saw probable cause. This is reporting from Heath Street. And then the New York Times says this. Independent FBI agents given a FISA warrant, completely independent process. The um, executive branch does not interfere with that. And that's the whole thing. The executive branch does not order FBI agents out to go do this stuff. Legally, they can. It would be incredibly weird if they did. And then you get a a story by Joel Pollack, 3rd of March, saying um, the headline is Mark Levin to Congress, investigate Obama's silent coup v. Trump. And it includes, it says the Obama administration files a request for the Foreign Surveillance Court to monitor communications involving Donald Trump. And next thing you know, Donald Trump wakes up in the morning, Mar-a-Lago, Saturday, <laughs> sees this, accuses the president, uh, former president, of high crimes and misdemeanors. Then, an hour later, says that Arnold Schwarzenegger stinks at The Apprentice and should be gone. <laughs> And then an hour later, puts on his shoesies and goes plays golf. Yeah. By the way. Thank you. Bravo. <laughs> I really got to say, bravo. That, that was. That's a complete timeline. Yeah, that right was a masterful telling of how we got to this yes. insanity. And that's, that's how Donald Trump came, comes up with this idea. So in the mean, so what's, what's, what's so amazing to me about this is like Donald Trump, you know, this is something that pops up on his phone Saturday morning. Yeah. He tweets this. Meanwhile, like, and then he gets up and, you know, tweets something else about The Apprentice and has Brr. a BM and, and yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. it's a Pop-Tart and goes through, like, normal <laughs> morning things. And I don't fault him that. We all do that, sure. by the way. This is a normal thing. It's all right. But, 
So, but at the same time, uh, in a distant city, it's almost like some some episode of Dark Mirror or something. Like yeah. in a distant city, an entire class of political experts, lawyers, campaign folks, party folks, journalists all wake up on Saturday, look at their phone. There is a collective sigh as they realize their weekend is shot, and they how <laughs> have to do things about this. They now have to call lawyers and yeah. also have a communications plan. And an investigation plan and call more people because this is like a serious deal. And it's, it's, like- uh, it's, it's a, I mean, we are, I, mean, I know that like there are a lot of people who get paid a lot of money to, to give brilliant political analysis, right? But right. like everybody just seems to say the same thing. And they're not wrong. We are in uncharted territory here. We have a sitting president accusing the previous president that uh, of wiretapping and spying on them. Right. Right. That, this is, that I have not seen before. Right. That's new to me. Right. And you've got like um, uh, Robert Costa's reporting over the weekend is also very good where he says, you know, everyone was sort of taken aback and this they there were there was no plan for Trump to say this. Right. So now everyone you've got um, incredibly highly paid uh, experts that have to sit around that are with the campaign and around the campaign that have to sit and uh, the, the presidency and figure out, well, what do we do about this now? And this is how you get this, you know, weird uh, spasmodic communication uh, methodology that typifies this administration right now, where they they're constantly trying to, uh, you know, uh, paint lipstick on on a, on a pig, basically, mm-hmm. like like turn a spontaneous, not very well thought out statement by the president into a true thing mm-hmm. against evidence and reality, which is a very hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, we have about two minutes left. Okay. I want to spend that time talking about the wall. Yes, we're going to build the wall, and you know who's going to pay for it? Uh, Mexico. No, we're going to end up paying for it. We're going to pay for it. Is what's going to happen? I was told Mexico. (laughs) I was told it was Mexico. Excuse excuse me. I was told that Mexico (laughs) would be paying for the wall. I I just want to lodge a complaint on this. I don't have wall money just sitting around. So, uh, so. We're going to start talking about the yeah. wall this week. We're going to start figuring out where this, this goes. This week, the wall, uh, so uh, kind of shadow story this week, supposedly the RFI, the request for information from the Department of Homeland Security, comes out on the wall where they, uh, big, it's basically a big cattle call for contractors where they say, here's what sort of wall we want, come and help us build it. And then we're going to learn some about the physical dimensions of the wall, uh, how they, how DHS imagines this wall will work as uh, an actual uh physical barrier between the United States and and Mexico, uh, its dimensions. And we'll also learn a little bit more about the financing, uh, which is right now entirely, like you said, on us. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Ryan, when he went out and said, like, we're going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, and also how you make it work. Now, at the same time, if you talk to I, I uh, so that's part of Donald Trump's campaign pledge. It is a thi- as a campaign pledge, I have to say very cynically, it is a thing that totally makes sense. Sure. It's a giant project that you can point to and say, I made that yeah. Donald Trump makes a tangible thing. Yes. It's the hugest, it's the best, the nicest, the best. nicest wall. <laughs> having said that, having talked to folks at TSA DHS, they all agree what you really want is not this physical barrier. You want to identify those individuals that um, 
uh, shepherd people across the border most commonly, most frequently, and uh, target them for arrest because they're the ones that actually facilitate uh, this mass uh, inflow of, of uh, migrants into the United States illegally. We all have different feelings about, about that, but if you actually want to effectively combat illegal mass migration in the United States, you target those folks. At the same time, again, uh, the consensus of economists is that both documented and undocumented immigration helps the economy and is a benefit for national security. So that's a whole different subject. Uh, That's it. We got to end it there. All right. Tech editor for Defense One, Patrick Tucker. Please go follow him at Def Tech Pat. Read his good work at DefenseOne.com. Go check out the podcast. It's on iTunes. We'll be on iTunes here in just a little while. Look at the Bill Press. This is the Bill Press Show.